building entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the anticipating Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? You know, I, I rarely like to use this phrase, Shag, but for this episode, we're going deep. <laughs> we're going deep. <laughs> we certainly are. Rob, why don't you tell the people at home what we're here to talk about? Yeah, well, this episode is a long-awaited show for me. This has been something I've been talking about doing for a long time, and it's called The Many Faces of Aquaman, and this is going to be... A show where Shag and I talk about the various iterations of the character going all the way back from 1941. It's not going to be a history. We're not going to get into necessarily like you know, episode, episode excuse me, issue numbers or anything like that. But it really is inspired by, of course, the movie, which is now only two weeks away. Unbelievably. It's an Aquaman movie. It's an Aquaman movie coming out. But, I mean, the number one thing I've been hearing from people who don't like this movie or don't want to see this movie or don't like the, this, this movie version, as we've seen in Justice League, is the number one complaint I'm hearing is, that's not my Aquaman. And that's a valid criticism, but I was sort of that – that, that inspired me to think, well, what does that mean exactly? Because there's many versions of Aquaman. There is no one Aquaman. Uh, you, most people think of the, their version, but there, there are really lots of versions as we'll get into. So that's, that's going to be the subject for this episode. Awesome. Well, that's a great idea. I'm looking forward to it because I, I think our versions of Aquaman are different, actually. And I think that's going to make yes, for interesting very much discussion. so. <laughs> well, before we do that, folks, we should take a second to thank our sponsor. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up, uh, all for up to 41% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. And I think our picks are going to prove right away that there are different different versions of Aquaman that we feel strongly about. What do you got first, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I was tempted to once again plug the Aquaman A Celebration of 75 Years book, but I mean, I, 
think I've I think I've plugged that like 16 times in the last 18 <laughs> episodes. So I'm going to give that one a rest. This time I'm talking about Aquaman: War for the Throne trade paperback, which reprints Aquaman numbers zero. Oh, I hate zero issues. Uh, four, 14 through 16 and Justice League five, 15 through 17, written by Jeff Johns. Artists are Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, and Rod Reese, my 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 buddies. Uh, the I. This isn't to make fun of in-stock trades. I just think this is funny. Like, sometimes, I guess, the um, the, the, the the trade material that they get from the from the publisher, they just have to kind of plug into their database, and they don't know whether it's right or not. But I love it. It says, cover artist, photo. And if you look at this cover, it's clearly a painting of, <laughs> of Jason Momoa Aquaman. It is not a photo. He is not really <laughs> underwater like that. So it is not a photograph. But, it, but it's, it's even though these are reprinting the Justice League Aquaman comics where Aquaman looks like what he normally does, the cover is clearly inspired by the movie because it's Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I didn't look at the link. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The normal price is twelve ninety nine. In stock trades price is only $7.53. That is 42% off. This is really the kind. I, God, I, I say this like every fifth podcast that I do, but this is the kind of book that should be on sale in the lobby of the movie theater when people walk out <laughs> of Aquaman because this is the thing that if people are only vaguely familiar with the character, this is what they would see. And I think an in-stock trades price, like $7.50, that's a winner. So, And this was a really fun story because this was all about Ocean Master taking over, attacking the coast. It was, we, we actually covered it on the show itself. Uh, right. It was a really terrific storyline. Well, the trade here is called War for the Throne. This is the Throne of Atlantis story, right. though, right? Right, the okay. throne, right. Gotcha. that's what it is, the Throne for Atlantis storyline. So we said it's uh, $7.53 from Minstock Trades. That's a hell of a great price for a great, great story. And uh, I actually plugged the opposite version on the most recent episode I did, which was about the DC movies, which okay. so I guess is sort of a companion piece to this episode. But it was uh, I, the, the version that had more Justice League than Aquaman. This is the version that has more Aquaman than Justice League. But either way, you can get either format. So it's a great book. Uh, my pick is definitely a different version of Aquaman. It's a trade that, honestly, you probably knew, but I didn't even know that this trade existed until I went looking at Menstock Trades. I'm like, really? Uh, it's Aquaman, The Legend of Aquaman trade paperback, written by Keith Giffen and Robert Lauren Fleming, art by Kurt Swan and some other folks, including, um, oh, I, I don't have his name right here, Shanauer, what's his name? Eric, Eric Shanauer. Eric Shanauer, right. And what it does is it covers – it's basically the post-crisis version of Aquaman, and we'll talk more about it later. But it collects a, a special called The Legend of Aquaman, and it collects a five-issue miniseries that Kurt Swan drew, which actually is not my favorite. But The Legend of Aquaman is one of my favorites. It's well worth it. It's 168 pages, full color, normally retails for $19.99. You can uh, get it for $11.59, so it's 42% off. Now, the key is when you read – you talked about the, the descriptions being right or wrong here. The description here says it includes Aquaman special number one. And Aquaman 1 through 5. It is not Aquaman special number 1. Aquaman special number 1 is that Dan Mishkin one where they get rid of the blue camo suit. Right, drawn by George Freeman. Exactly. This is the legend of Aquaman. So, which is which tells the post-crisis origin of Aquaman. So, I'm a I'm a big fan of that storyline, as we'll talk about in just a minute. But you can get again eleven dollars and fifty nine cents, heck of a great price. The trade is very new. It you know it's, I doubt it's one that will stay in print for very long. So, if you want to get it now, would be a good time to order it. And you can get it over at In Stock Trades, where you can get all of your trade paperback needs. InStockTrades.com. So, we thank them for our their support. So. Uh, I know you said this is not a lecture, but uh, why don't you take it away, Professor? <laughs> don't stand so close to me. Now, uh, oh! th- this, was, this, was par- this was also partly inspired by uh, many years ago. I had the um, Hey Kids Comics blog, which has long since uh, given up the ghost. 
But uh, that back when I ran that blog, I, of course, would, would take in stories from different people about that were meaningful to them about comic books. And I had a story once from a guy, I don't remember his name, but he, he sent me this story about how his favorite Batman comic was this one, I think it's the uh, Robin Dies at Dawn, where it's Batman and Robin go to like an alien planet, and <laughs> Robin actually dies. I mean, I forget what, like, how they get out of it, but like the cover has the cover is, looks like Crisis 7, because it's okay. got Robin prostrate over Batman, Batman's crying and whatever. But anyway, what was so in, funny to me was the guy that wrote it was like in his 50s, or maybe even 60s. And so, of course, his Batman is – and he described it as such. To him, the real Batman is Zebra Batman, is the Batman with an alien head, is the Batman that went to Mars, is the Batman that was baby Batman. Like that to him, that's the real Batman. And Policeman's I'm, Friend, the right, 1950s the, version. Yeah, and I remember being so flummoxed by that because I was like, dude, you are literally probably the only person that thinks that. But what, what I thought was so funny was like every version of the character is somebody's favorite. Yep. Every version. There is no one version that, like, there isn't anybody that doesn't love it. I mean, I, I really think he was the only person that would say Zebra <laughs> Batman is the one true Batman. But nevertheless, that to that guy, that was the version. And so that uh, that's always stuck with me. And so, again, when I've been hearing all these people saying, and it's not that many, but I, I have enough friends that like Aquaman who are, like, kind of like, I'm never going to see this movie because that's not my Aquaman. I'm like, that's just fascinating to me because, as we see, there were – Many, many versions, and we'll get into – there are some hard reboots, which they are like literally you know, shaking the Etch-A-Sketch, and we have a completely new Aquaman. And then there's like the soft reboots where it's kind of the same guy. He's got the same history, but it's a very different tone. It's very different stories, and so there's lots of those over the – not even – and that's just talking about the comic books, let alone the multimedia versions. You know, I can relate from my own corner of the DC universe with Firestorm because, you know, talk about everybody has their own favorite version. Firestorm, you know, when I, when I was maintaining the Firestorm fan blog, I was up to like the 10th incarnation of Firestorm I was tracking at that point, I want to say, because I had a little key on the side. You could click it, and it would just take you to like each version of, of Firestorm. Because, you know, they're obviously running the professor around for like 10 years. Then they started changing the mix. You know, they add McHale. They do the elemental. They do all these different versions. And each one, has, like you said, has its own fans. I, in fact, I've just recently been dealing with folks uh, that are big fans of the elemental version of Firestorm. And there's been a lot of conversation about that. And it's just interesting how, and whether it's Aquaman or Firestorm or whatever, each incarnation has – it struck a chord with somebody at that point in their life. And therefore, it's still important. It's important to them that it may not be published anymore, but it still matters, and it is worth talking about. So I, right. I really like the concept behind what we're about to do. Right. So, I mean, and I made this sort of very brief list, and to me, like, we'll start off with, like, the hard reboots. And okay. clearly, I mean, the hard reboot, obviously, the first version is not a reboot. It's the boot, uh, which is, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the more fun comics version that debuted in 1941, created by Mort Weinzinger and Paul Norris. And that's the Aquaman that is not the Aquaman that we know of. He's not the son of, Atlant uh, son of Atlantis. He's not a king. He's any of that guy. He's just a, a kid that was basically experimented on by his dad. That always works out well. To teach him to, to uh, breathe underwater and get into developing powers. And, you know, this was the, this was the, the butt kicker uh, Nazi hunter version of Aquaman. I mean, it was the, the war, uh, World War II was just gearing up, at least Americans' participation in it, I should say. And, and DC Comics wanted to have, this was when, you know, Superman, of course, kicked off 
the whole notion of superheroes as a as a genre, and every publisher had to have their own version. Everybody had to have their water character, their their guy with wings, their guy with this, the, that, the, 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 you know, their detective. And so, you know, I think Marvel had had Submariner, and DC was, I was like, going to say, I yeah. wasn't going to let you slip by here. No, yeah, no, Marvel's first. first. Marvel's absolutely first with Submariner. So I'm sure DC was like, well, we got to have a water guy, so we'll do our own guy. We'll do Aquaman, and. His connection to the sea was tangential. It was real. I think it really was more. We just need a water guy. Let's just contrive a way to give him powers. And yeah, he could talk to fish and stuff like that. But he was really more about finding Nazi saboteurs and kicking their ass. That was really the gist of those initial run of stories. Here, here's something that's going to blow your mind. I think if you if you think from a real world perspective, I think this version of Aquaman is more realistic than all the other ones. Because sure, sure the whole yeah. idea that there's this race of mer people underneath the water that look exactly like us is sort of ludicrous. Uh, Not so sort having of. what's that? Not sort of. <laughs> so having a surface dweller become Aquaman actually makes a lot more sense. But, yeah, yeah. And so this is the fun. Not only is it the butt kicker, this is the uh, blackjack kicker. <laughs> this yes. is the guy who, who fought blackjack constantly. Now I know Paul Norris was the first artist, and I know uh, we all know that Ramona Freden eventually goes on to become our beloved artist. But you, there, there's a guy in between that you always talk about. I, the unsung hero, I can't remember his name, but you love his stuff, right? Well, there, there's two artists in between those two, actually. The the, the guy that took over for Paul Norris, who only did uh, Aquaman for about ten issues. That's it. Mm, I mean, you didn't okay. have a, you had a very short run. The guy that took over for, for Paul Norris was Louis Casanova. That's he, right. Yeah, he had a brief – and then the guy that took over for him, which is the guy that I love and that we profiled in an episode like three years ago or four years ago, is um, <laughs> is uh, John Daly, uh, father of okay. Ryan. Um, Ryan's uncle. That's right. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, that's the one I really, really love. And uh, his style is closer to Ramona Fraden's than it is Louis Casanova. Louis Casanova's is really much more the, of kind of a pretty crude – 40s looking thing and it's jo- John Daly's thing had this very stylish kind of uh, feel to it a lot of polish and the the colors really pop so to me he is kind of like he starts bringing a slightly more sci-fi-ish tone to it even though it's ostensibly still the same character i mean by that point world war ii was over so he's not kicking nazi butt anymore it's more about pirates and crooks and things like that but you see that it's slowly moving in a certain direction and then of course by the time ramona Fraden takes over when she takes over in the mid in the uh, mid 50s it's still the same character it's still that same guy but then we move right into the next hard reboot which is in Adventure Comics number 260 from 1959, which is uh, how or, how Aquaman got his powers. And that is by Robert Bernstein and Ramona Freyden. And that gives us a brand new origin of Aquaman. And even though it's still essentially the same guy because he's got yellow gloves. Don't, let's get into say, that. Oh, don't get into that again. No, I was going to say – well, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't have enough antacid in the house for that. Right, yeah. Um, no, it's uh, – but I was going to say but in the modern – even though they changed his origin, the modern-day version of Aquaman is sort of uninterrupted. He's not really changed. They just change his history, right? Basically, yeah. And it's it, okay. it took like another half a year before they started bringing in all the trappings of that version that we know because it was only about eight issues. After that, where they bring in Aqualad, ah, uh, right? Okay. I mean, and then that's when they really start. And it's funny because, like, in that story, how Aquaman got his powers, like that story ends with him looking out, like, over the deck of a ship, and he's all pensive. He's all like, hmm. "Oh, I wonder if I'll ever get back to." And it's like the original Nazi kicker Aquaman was never pensive ever. He never he never had any doubt 
or anything. That he was all about just I want to punch a bunch of saboteurs and then jump into the water and go after adventure. So I, I was going to say he wouldn't stand there and look out the look no. out over the water. He would he would get, he would always leave and and wouldn't take whatever they wanted to give him. <laughs> right, exactly. So even even though it's against it's sort of the same guy, they're giving they're they're shading his personality into a version that we would later become more familiar with, which is classically the Silver Age version. But it was. That I mean, that's clearly the origin is clearly the demarcation point. That's where all the DC historians say this is where he started. But it really was kind of like I call it the hard reboot, but it's really kind of a, a middle. It was kind of a hard soft one because it's it's <laughs> I know it's let's, all right everybody. Um, it's, it's like a fried ice cream boot. It's yeah, hard yeah, on the outside, it's yeah. Soft on the inside. Because it's, it it took a while. It wasn't just boom all of a sudden. Oh look, there's Black Mana and Ocean Master. It wasn't any of that stuff. I mean, he he starts fighting his first supervillain, the Human Flying Fish. Don't laugh. So I mean, they <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you can't help it. Um, hey, the Human Flying Fish gets mentioned two episodes in a row. Yay me! So I mean, that but that's really the the Aquaman that we come to know and love because, and that's really the version that most people know because uh, that's the uh, sun. Uh, what you're you're putting your own bias in there now? I I'm saying that's the version. That well, of course, Sam. It's my show. That's <laughs> the, I mean, but that's that's essentially the version. Show. That's eventually, yeah, it's my show. That's the show. That's the version that appeared on Super Friends. That's and that's the same version that kind of appeared in the New Fifty Two. He's got the same backstory, except he's got a different sort of relationship with the characters. But that's that's the beginning of that second version. But of course, there's other versions. Even even in between that. Okay, well, yeah, let's, let's not go any further. Here, let's hold on a second. Here. So I, I think it is interesting, you know, it starts in 1941 with the Golden Age, right? And then this reboot happens in 1959, which really is the birth of the Silver Age right. kind of timeline, which it, it, is that coincidence or is that on purpose? I mean, they were by this point, they'd already launched what Barry Allen and Hal Jordan, probably even the Atom by this point. So do you think this was a purposeful, like, hey, we have a new age of superheroes? We need to freshen up Aquaman? Do you think it was a conscious choice? I guess or someone just said, time to tell his origin. I guess we'll never know because Robert Bernstein is no longer with us and, and whatever. But I would bet that they saw that they had success with revamping these characters. They mm-hmm. were like and, – and I guess they – since Aquaman had been continuously published, a, a little data point I never tire of pointing out – <laughs> uh, I, I think they felt like, well, we couldn't – we don't want to just completely rip up what we have because this guy has been somewhat successful in adventure comics throughout the 50s. But we can kind of freshen him up a little bit because – and of course, by the time – you know, 1959, uh, the sci-fi craze is huge. You know, it's uh, – uh, there, there aren't monster movies anymore. There are, you know, uh, like Them and uh, the the giant behemoth and stuff. It's more sci-fi related stuff. So he's given a more sci-fi-y origin as opposed to being experimented on. It's like, oh, no, he's, the, he's a half-mer person. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me that in the halls of DC Comics in the 1950s, they just said, let's, just, let's give everybody that's on like a second tier character kind of a, a fresh look. And they even kind of did it for Batman, really. I mean, Batman kind of got freshened up by Julia Schwartz in the early 1960s. So I think right. it probably sales driven of like, hey, we could do this. I wonder if Green Arrow got a freshening up at that point. I don't think he did. No, I don't hmm. think he ever really did. No, he was yeah, always not till, kind of that not guy. Not until yeah. Grell came along. So, yeah. Mm. Now I know. Um, now jumping forward here, I know where you're going. You, so you've done the Golden Age Aquaman, you've done the Silver Age Aquaman, and you're going to say here that the next hard reboot isn't until the New Fifty Two. But 
I'm here, and I only know this because I've read your notes. I, I snuck in last night and took some pictures, brought them home. But um, I would argue there's actually another hard reboot in here that you don't consider a hard reboot, sir. I would say that the next hard reboot is uh, the, the aforementioned The Legend of Aquaman from 1989, which uh, was, what, in my opinion, the reason why I call it a hard reboot is because that's the beginning of the post-crisis Aquaman. I mean, you know, everyone was getting it. You get the, get the Man of Steel, you get Wonder Woman's reboot, you get Batman's reboot. And, and similar to what's happening in the Silver Age, after Crisis, everyone got their reintroduction. And I don't think a Legend of Aquaman is a soft reboot because they changed so much. They do. Yes, he, they do. He, yes he's still uh, – no, actually, he's full Atlantean at that point, isn't he? He's not half human in Legend of Aquaman. He's full Atlantean. Right. His mom, he, he, gets a, he gets found by the, the yeah. lighthouse keeper, but he's not his son or anything. Exactly. And Aquaman – now, he was – once you – it's sort of similar. It's like to the Silver Age. They changed the origin, but the modern-day version of Aquaman sort of continued uninterrupted. He, he was a little different, but not tremendously in modern day. So it's more of just a tweak to the origin, but it's a really big tweak. So I would argue the Legend of Aquaman also constitutes a reboot – a hard reboot of, his, uh, of the character. I was ready to argue with you because, you know, but uh, when I, <laughs> now that you say it, yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, I, w- I would say it's just as much of a hard reboot as Adventure 260 is because it is ostensibly mm-hmm. the same character. He has the same memories of the guy that was in the story the month before. But, yeah, the origin's completely different. So, yeah, I would, I would argue that, yeah, that is really kind of the post-crisis Aquaman. Which is interesting because this all mirrors most DC characters quite well. Golden Age introduction, Silver Age re, uh, redo, reboot, post-crisis reboot, and then it leads directly to what? Well, then we can, then we have the new Fifty Two version, which is like another hard reboot, and that's where all the I mean, all the relationships are the same. He's got Mira, he's got Volko, he's got Black Mana, Ocean Master, but their connections are all different. And of course, the biggest change in in Aquaman number one and New Fifty Two is no Arthur Junior. That whole history has been swept away and that mm, was that that was right. that was something that i felt weighed down the character the, the, I, I it was one of those things where it made sense to do it to get rid of uh, a baby uh because that was always other than the fantastic four uh with franklin jr and even then franklin jr's been rebooted like what like a thousand times he's like i can never <laughs> keep track of him is he four is he ten i have no idea but it, it made sense to get rid of the character and it certainly gave the, the, the story some dramatic heft by having Black Mana kill the son of Aquaman. But unfortunately, every writer after that could not stay off of that. And it just became such an anchor, no pun intended, around the character's oh. neck that I am kind of, even though it, it erases a lot of the history that I grew up with, I can't fault Jeff Johns for saying that's the first thing we're just getting rid of. They, they, they don't have a dead child together. That, well, they got rid of the marriage, too. Like ever the marriage, right, right. But I mean, yeah. that's but I mean, they're, they're, that's a, to me that's a, a not as big of a change as the son no longer yeah. existing. Okay, it's, it's interesting. It's it's halfway a hard reboot, halfway a soft reboot because right. really what happened was it was brightest day uh, or blackest night, the ending of blackest night, which led to brightest day, which was essentially the Jeff Johns version of Aquaman. Jeff Johns introduced all these ideas about uh, Zebel and uh, you know, a lot of different modern-day tropes for Aquaman in Brightest Day, which he then just picked up and carried on with Aquaman number one, even though the origin changed. Right. So it, essentially it's sort of like the other reboots where Aquaman kind of stayed the same in the modern-day sense, but everything from his past was different. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's and and the the Silver Age version is is sort of the same version. A new fifty two. It's got the same personality. But then, but then that leads me into what I was also thinking were these sort of soft reboots where the tone of the stories change, even though the character is the same history. Now, the Aquaman that was in his own comic in the sixties for mm-hmm. the first thirty nine issues, that's the filmation Aquaman. He's the dad. He's yeah, a, he's okay. superhero dad. He's always like, "Come on, Aqualad, let's go home," you know, and stuff like that. And he's, I mean, he's literally. You dead. love that quote, don't you? I do. Uh, I mean, I just like talking like Aquaman from the '60s. It's fun. Mar- Marvin Miller, I believe. Um, I, I, mean, I like to do the narrator. Embark on the Aquacurve. Yeah, night, yeah. Um, uh, but like, I mean, he's literally a dad, and then he has a son, and he gets married. He does all this. Stuff. I mean, that's amazing character development. Think about how few comic book characters. Like got married and had a baby. They could count on one hand the amount of times they've done that. But they did well, that for. I was just going to say earlier. By the way, you were saying how they had to get rid of the baby. Animal Man makes it work with the kids. Uh, right, and right. I'm sometimes, just saying. Right, sometimes you can make it work. Um, but I mean, like those. So those first thirty-nine issues, he is a character with very little personality, other than he is just a steadfast hero. He always mm-hmm. makes the right decision. He's very level-headed. But then. When Steve Skeets and Jim Aparo take over and under Dick Giordano and Aquaman number 40, which, again, we've chronicled on the show, he undergoes a pretty radical personality change. Steve Skeets turned him into like a hothead. Yeah, he's angry. Yeah, he's like super angry. Now, part of it is because Mira gets kidnapped and I'd be mad, too. But <laughs> every time my hot redhead goes missing, I get. Yeah. Oh, it's very frustrating. Uh, but but you think about how if you were a comic book reader, I could see of the time I could see you buying Aquaman number thirty nine and then getting number forty and kind of being like, wait, what is this? Because it's like a very different version. I mean, again, he's the same guy. He has the sidekick. He's from Atlantis. He's got Volko. He's got all the same trappings, but his personality is very very different. So to me, that's a soft reboot. That's where Steve Skeets is kind of saying, okay, I'm not going to redo the history because you don't do that back then, but I'm writing my own version. And that's... I got a question. Yes. So this is, this is 1968. Yeah. So when did Namor's ongoing series start in the 60s? Right. Well, Namor had a strip in Tales to Astonish. Okay. I don't exactly know when that was, but it was probably around that time. So I wonder how much, again, Aquaman was influenced by Namor's popularity. Because by this point, Namor, heck, in 68, he might even had a cartoon by this point. He was pretty uh, – he was certainly appeared a lot in Fantastic Four. Yeah. And, and was – you know, I mean certainly was a, a big deal because he was always threatening to take Sue away from, <laughs> from right. Reed Richards. Well, the, but those Marvel cartoons, the ones where they would just right. slide Jack Kirby's art around yeah. you know, on the screen, um, I want to say there was a Namor one. Yeah, and, yeah I believe and there was, before, yeah. I'm just wondering how popular that was and that, that, you know, again, could have influenced Aquaman again. Um, You know, obviously, again, we have no proof. We have no evidence. We have no one to ask. But it makes me wonder. Yeah, I mean, Steve Skeets wanted to infuse more of his own personality in in the stories that he was writing. He's a very sort of individual writer. He was never going to write those kind of – I don't mean to say this in a nasty way, but like kind of generic stories. I mean – Vanilla. Yeah. I mean, I really love those early Aquaman comics, but they're formula. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, an alien attacks. End of chapter one. Here's chapter two. <laughs> chapter three. It's just the way this the way they were. Steve Skeets was like, I'm going to rip all that up. And that was under the aegis of Dick Giordano. It wasn't like he just decided to do it on his own. On his own. But those stories are moody. They're dark. They, they feature, as we've talked about, some very 
dark humor. I mean, they introduced the, that one character just to kill him off a couple of pages later um, in Aquaman number 56. So, I mean, <laughs> it's – and that's the Aquaman that continues on into adventure comics in the mid-'70s where he is angry guy. He's angry Aquaman. There's, there's, we've, we've talked about, and again, other episodes of the show where he teams up with Batman and Brave and the Bold, and he's like decking Batman. He's like, "Get out of my way, Batman!" You know, and you're yeah. like, "That is." Aparo, not- Aparo loved his draw him yelling. He sure did. That is so not the Aquaman of the early '60s. That their early Aquaman would never do that. He would be like, "Hello, Batman. We're friends." But in the, <laughs> in the '60s, in the late '60s and '70s, he's more like Namor, and so it's like. You could argue that's a reboot of the character, even though it's the same guy. He has the same memories, but it's very different in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. It's a huge personality shift, right. and it you know uh, it, that would in, if I've got my timeline right, yeah, this would be directly the version of Aquaman that breaks up the Justice League. Yeah, well, that's oh, oh boy. Um, but, but, but talk about an angry Aquaman that all came out of him having a snit. That, that really no is. Showing up for the Earth Mars War. It really is. It really is. And so then, and then that's basically the same Aquaman that continued, as you just said, all the way through into the 80s. And then you get the miniseries by Neil Posner and Craig Hamilton and Steve Montenegro, which is terrific. Still never been collected. Uh, um, but that's so weird. I know. It's very, very odd. I mean, you would think they could fit it in somewhere. But, but that, they do the Kurt Swan version before they do this one. Anyway. I know. I think it's the uniform. I really think oh, it's that yeah. blue uniform. He's in the camo suit. Now, that's – again, that's the same character. He's the same hothead, but it's a very different kind of book. It's much more mystical. It's much more spiritual. And, of course, visually he looks very different. But, I mean, that's – again, that's another kind of soft reboot of like, well, let's move the character over in this direction as opposed to where he was earlier. And so, again, it's like when you say – that's not my Aquaman. Well, what's your Aquaman? I and mean, that could be any of those. <laughs> any of those different people right. could be Aquaman. Is it, is, is it the hothead? Is it the classic you know, hero with the chiseled chin who's everybody's friend? Is it the one who's all up in the mystical stuff? Now, by the way, this, this Aquaman miniseries you're talking about, this really was the first attempt at a post-crisis Aquaman. Because this was them going, okay, you know, crisis is over. Now we're doing everything new. So Aquaman's now going to have a camo suit. And he's going to be mystical. Well, it didn't take. So... Which is unfortunate because that that suit looks just incredible. Well, I would when it's I, illustrated by the right person. Yeah, I mean, I don't. What do you mean by it didn't take? I guess. Do you mean it just didn't last? The camo suit. No one. No one. The, the camo suit never really appeared anywhere other than the special. Uh, Aquaman was in it, and then it was over. Uh, and all the mystical stuff went away too, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, until Atlantis Chronicles. So I would say that it was it just this. It's not that the hothead didn't take, but the the elements they were trying to add to the Aquaman mythos, which would be the camo suit and the mysticism, just didn't wasn't accepted by the other writers and, and didn't proliferate, which is a shame. But that camo suit, while it looks amazing when uh, Craig, Craig Hamilton draws it, apparently everyone else struggled with it. It didn't look so cool when other artists did it. And I always say the action figure, uh, which I have, which I, I, I adore, it looks like an ice skater's costume, so unfortunately. And it was, I'm sure it was a pain in the ass to draw. Like it, Who every, cares? every single Well, if you're the artist, you do. Uh, well, have that conversation with George Perez then. Well, there, there we go. <laughs> Uh, well, that man created Jericho. He's not always the um, – <laughs> so, 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 right. So you've got all those different versions, uh, no pun intended, floating around. And, <sighs> and, and I mean, and I would say the, art, the movie version, I'd say, is picking and choosing from a lot of those different versions. Then we get into, in 1989, The Legend of Aquaman, which is Woo-hoo! a bigger reboot. 
Uh, again, it's that's like a harder reboot than some of the others, but it reestablishes history. That changes the whole personality. I mean, again, the backstory is very different. His dynamic with Mira is completely different. Yep. So that's another thing. And you're like, okay, well, that, is this the same guy? Not really. It's kind of a different version of the one that was the the, the, the founder of the Justice League and stuff like that. Well, I'd say where this one was successful is you get Legend of Aquaman 89. You immediately then get the five-issue miniseries, the Kurt Swan one, which is not my favorite. But then shortly after that, within a couple of years, you get um, you get the Sean McLaughlin ongoing series, the right. last of what, 12, 13 issues. So right. there was a period of time there where Aquaman was suddenly back in publication. You know, he, he technically never went out of publication if you count him in Justice League and all that stuff. But he didn't have his own book for a long time. And so yeah, I would say Legend of Aquaman sort of kick-started Aquaman in the, in the post-crisis universe. Right. And they said they tried to do that sort of classic version of Aquaman for those 13 issues. He was the same game uniform, same hothead. He has mirror in hair. his life. He had, he had longer hair. They had all that stuff. And then came Aquaman Time and Tide by Peter Woo-hoo. David. And that's that's the really last like big turning point for this character before the New 52. Because he's given yet another kind of new origin uh, where they did, the again, the, specifically the miniseries. And then Peter David takes over. And, the, you know, we've had this debate for like seven years now. And, and who knows if we'll ever get to it. But like to me, this, I know this version is very beloved to a lot of people, including yourself. Yep. It is not my – to me, this is not my Aquaman, even though it's the same guy. Again, he's – like if, if if they ever had a moment where he's like, were you a founder of the Justice League? Yes, I was. Did you team up with Batman? Yes, I did. But to me, tonally, this is so not the Aquaman I wanted to read. And to, so to me, I'm like, this is not my Aquaman. But unfortunately, in my case, a lot of people don't feel that way because this is clearly where the movie is drawing a lot of its inspiration from. Sure. Sure. Now, here's the interesting thing. So you, you say it's Aquaman Time and Tide. It could also be argued that it's Atlantis Chronicles uh, versus it. Time and Tide because they're really one in the – it's one big story, really. Right. You read Atlantis Chronicles, then you read Time and Tide. It all goes together. Um, and also I would say even though it's a reboot, it's not really. Aquaman was not – fundamentally changed by um he wasn't like a retconned he, no. well I, I guess he was what it really is saying though is that the legend of aquaman story still stands and this is just adding more depth to the painting if you will it's saying oh but here's more stuff you didn't know it's not saying legend of aquaman was wrong it's just saying here's more stuff you didn't know so i would say it's it's not so much a reboot as it just adds more depth but it adds a hell of a lot of depth so it should count as a, a soft reboot certainly and uh you know i look around my room my office here now i, I used to have a, a huge aquaman action figure collection on display now it's all in a box in the garage i just don't have enough room but i'm looking at all of you know what all my the action figures i do have on display are as jli figures firestorm figures and, and then a few random smatterings of other ones including the new black mana from the movie action figure because it's badass and the only Aquaman I have on display, I just realized, is my Peter David era Aquaman. I don't have a classic Aquaman on display. I only have the one, the hook hand one. So I'll be damned. It's uh, it's really good. Now, you say it's not your version of Aquaman, and yet this uh, Bronze Age version you were just praising a few minutes ago that from Steve Skeets was the hot-headed Aquaman, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say <laughs> – I love you're like, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say that the angry version of Aquaman, the bedraggled Aquaman from the Peter David era doesn't happen without the in, being informed by the Steve Skates version. That angry Aquaman led to this version of Aquaman because that's all he really is. He's just an angrier version of Aquaman, really. I, yes, I would agree with that. There's, there's definitely a through line to those characters. Yeah, yeah sure. 
Yeah. Now, certainly they were trying to pick up on some of the heat in Namor. I mean, Namor was popular by this point. Namor had, had, you know, John Byrne had done that Namor series in the, in the early 90s, which was very popular. And so they were trying to make Aquaman cool. And so they went a whole different direction. But the, if you guys don't know, they, they changed the uniform entirely. He goes shirtless and he gets a hook hand and all this stuff. So Momoa doesn't have the hook hand. But uh, that was probably, you know, up to that point. I don't know. what was. Would you say it was more popular than the Silver Age version of Aquaman? Well, I don't know. I don't know how you count that because the Silver Age that was when comics were still selling in the many yeah. hundreds of thousands. But look, I, and I've said this on on I've said this on our show. I've said this on the Shrine. I've said it a million places. I, I do not like the Peter David iteration virtually at all. But I also have to give him credit that he refreshed the character and made it popular in a way it had not been in a really long time. So he deserves all the credit in the world because he did his job. Your job is. When you when they hand you a character like that that is sort of languishing in sales, it is your job to make people interested again, and he absolutely did that. So mm-hmm. all, more power to him. He did he did the character a service, even if it's not comics I particularly want to read. How do you feel about that version of Aquaman then after Peter David leaves, and it's in the hands of, say, Dan Jurgens, or it's in the hands of Grant Morrison on JLA? How do you feel about that? It's still the same version, but how yes. do you feel about that version of Aquaman un- under other people's hands. See, I like those versions better because I think they start sanding down some of the stuff that I didn't like again. And I don't want to get, I I'm trying to like make this be like a positive show. And I don't want to like focus <laughs> on this one area where I don't like, but to me, I, uh, to me, there is a part of the Peter David Aquaman that is very uh, juvenile. And to mm. me, and when I say juvenile, it's like, when people say, I want my stuff to be adult. And what they mean is they want um, boobies and violence. And yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> and to, to me, that doesn't make something adult that makes it, you know, kind of like, it's yeah, it's R-rated, but it's not adult. I don't think Mid- of that as... It's middle school adult. Yeah, it's middle school adult. And to me, the Peter David Aquaman is kind of middle school adult. Like that cover, that one cover of, of Mira on the throne that looks like, like it's a porn cover where it's like a super sexualized mirror, like that just bothers me on a fundamental level that I'm like, I don't like my superheroes presented like that. And so Dan Jurgens... I Jer- was okay with it. Right. Well, there you go. See, point, <laughs> point making, point taken. But like, <laughs> point taken. Point taken. So, but, but when Dan Jurgens took over and he did the book for a year, he was, as you said, he was, he was given that same version. It's the hook hand, it's the metal shirt, it's the long hair. But to me, they just, he dialed down a lot of the adolescent badassy stuff and made him more of the Aquaman that I like. So I actually like that Jurgen stuff quite a bit. And I talked about that on the shrine. So it's, it really is not even so much the visual, although as someone who thinks visually, it does bother me that he just looks so different mm-hmm. than, than, you know, I mean like how, like how bothered would Superman fans be if they did a movie of him in his ice skater outfit, they'd be pretty mad. <laughs> right? I would think. I think Bailey would be rending his garments, you know, if, if they did that. So to me, it's like you're finally doing an Aquaman movie and you're not putting him in the orange suit. But of course, they are, of course. They, they are. You see, they, they are, are doing that. But it's, to me, the fact that he looks so different always bothered me. But I liked that Jurgens took what he got, took what he inherited, and toned it down a bit, which is something I liked. So He, he really, uh, Jurgens really did ramp up the regal. Aspect yes, of he did. Yeah, yes, he did. Yeah, he did a lot with that. And by that point, too, they had uh, the the hook had been morphed into a, a shape changing device, so you could actually have a hand shaped 
you know, appendage, which worked out well too. So yeah, I, I was just curious to see your thoughts on it and just explore that. Cause we, we have always done exactly what we're doing right here, which is skating around talking about it because you won't talk about it with me. I but, did. Um, I, like I said, I, well, it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's something, it's like, I just don't like it. I've tried yeah. so many times and there's just no point in doing a show where I come on and I talk about something I don't like because I know it's going to bum people out because who wants to hear that? So and what's I, our mantra? Yeah. Find your joy. Exactly. exactly. So exactly. it might be some – there's going to be someday where you're going to have to do an episode on the Peter David Aquaman that I'm just not going to participate in. Right. I want to do that, it. That way it can be upbeat and stuff. I mean you found yeah. a way to make a show about the DCU movies upbeat, so you can do anything I would say. Um, <laughs> but that's, well, I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. But I mean so that's – but that's – I also see that, like, when people say this is not my Aquaman, well, the Peter David version is is a lot of people's Aquaman, clearly, uh, and and that's again, it's just I would not say it's not as valid because it ran just as long as some of the other versions. It's just that's the one I just I can't connect to. Well, it's actually the longest running version it's of Aquaman very as far running. as an ongoing it's series. Yeah, seventy five issues. Still haven't yep. topped it yet. So I, it's just interesting because I and, and I wanted to spend a little more time on this one because I would say when you look at the history of Aquaman, um, the the two major visuals of Aquaman that you see, and sort of Atlantis excluded because that's not even Arthur Curry, but the two major visuals you see are the traditional looking Aquaman for the most part. He might have long hair, the costume might be yellow gloves, maybe slightly different, but it's you know the orange and green. That's your version of Aquaman compared to the Peter David Bedraggled, as you call it, version. I, I call him badass version. But um, those are your two pretty much visuals of different versions of Aquaman. And, and 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 so when people say that's not my version of Aquaman, it's usually one or the other they're thinking of. So it's, uh, I just wanted to spend a little more time on this one. So I, I've, I've kept us here long enough that we've got a few more reboots to do, actually. So what do we got next? Well, right. I mean, there's Aquaman number one from 2003 by Rick Veach and uh, I believe you say Yvel Goucher. I'm not sure if we pronounced that right. That's, again, same character, but a very different look. They cut his hair. They gave him the water hand, as you talked about. They made it. And that was a much more mystical like it was, he virtually stopped being a superhero entirely, and it was all just about having battles with wizards and stuff the under thirst. the water, the thirst and things like that. Yeah, I mean, so that's again, it's it's a soft reboot where you're like, okay, the tone is different, the aim is different, the settings are different. I mean, he was with Tempest almost full time at that point as as like his partner. So that's like another like a soft reboot. And then of course, well, hold later, on, I yes? just got to say that version was abysmal. Uh, okay. and I don't mean to be negative about it, but I just will. It was extremely painful to do, uh, and it was very uh, hard for a, a hardcore Aquaman fan to enjoy. And there, there's another soft reboot that's not actually listed here that I just want to mention, which I would say the Sub Diego version is, is almost another soft reboot, except all it really is is more like a return to what he was before. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the Sub Diego version is just worth mentioning because it's so damn good. It's like a breath of fresh air right after the Ricky Veach run. So, yeah, if you ever get a chance to get your hands on the Sub Diego version of uh, trade paperback or those issues because they introduced the new Aqua Girl at that point, those are wonderful. They're so, they so good. I can't remember who wrote them. Do you, I know John Arcuda uh, was in some of it, but I think he did the later ones. I don't think he did it. Um, uh, oh, shoot. I'm, fr- I'm was it Will Pfeiffer? His name. Yes, Will Pfeiffer, of course. Okay. Yes, I believe yeah. I can remember that. Yes, and Patrick Gleason drew it. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. beautiful. They're beautiful. And again, L- L- Lorena Sanchez, uh, yes. the, the Aqua Girl, that is, I really wish she had been maintained. For I the know. later, later version. I really like that character. That's I mean, she hung movie. around for a while. She even joined the Teen Titans for a little while. Yeah. Uh, I, but I, they just they lost her in uh, after New 52. Yeah, just a shame. So. I, that's a shame. If they ever do Aquaman 2, 
they should find a way to work around it. Right. Absolutely. And then again, that led to uh, an even like harder reboot, even though it's the same version, which is of course sort of Atlantis, which is literally a new Aquaman. Yeah. Another Aquaman, which actually harkens back to the forties version, because this version is a guy who was experimented on by his dad. So the, it was uh, Kurt Busiek bringing all that stuff back. Now, the original Aquaman is still in the book. He's the the dweller of the depths, and he's got the big squid face and whatever. But mm-hmm. that is that Aquaman. And who actually dies? They actually kill him off. They kill Joseph or Aquaman? Aquaman. Oh, they, it's right. Yeah, they kill him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and his body disperses into the sea and stuff. And Mira's in that, so it's all the same version, and it's drawn by Jackson guys. But that's a very – that's a really, you know – Shaking the etch sketch again. I keep using that phrase, but that's that's like the hardest reboot. That's not a full hard reboot because it's well, it's, it's it's more like a legacy, really. Yeah, because because it's a new guy. When you when Rob says it's a new guy, we mean literally a different person. Like it's a guy named Joseph. Yeah, it's Aquaman three, is, really. What's that? It's really Aquaman three at that point. It was Aquaman two? The Silver Age version. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Uh, well, well, yeah, let's not count numbers. Anyway, so it, it's a different guy altogether. It is, it's, it's, it, he goes by the name Joseph and he's, uh, I, he's like part clone or something like that. There's some, some weird thing, yeah. but it's, it's almost like you, a Superboy was to Superman. Joseph was to Aquaman is kind of how it worked. Right. And it was a really cool take. I mean, it was, I didn't like it at the time. I didn't get it, but then I went back and reread it and it's really, it's a, it's a sword and sandal version of Aquaman. It's, you know, it's, it's Conan under the sea is really what it was. And I didn't really get it, but when I reread it, I, I fell in love. It's really, really good. I like the music issues better than the Tad Williams issues, but, uh, it's very enjoyable. So. Yeah. Same thing. I, when I got it, I was like, what is this? And I didn't like it. And then I went back and read, I'm like, this is actually really fun. It's not the Aquaman that I want to read, but these are really terrific stories. And Jackson Geis just Terrific art. I love it. Just, oh, yeah. it g- gave the thing a completely new look. And even within sort of Atlantis, there's like kind of the soft reboots because then, as you mentioned, when Tad Williams took over, drawn by Sean McManus, it's a completely different title. It's much more humorous. Yeah. Like it, it's even within that short, short strain, uh, short run, it's very, very different. And so, again, there's yet another version. And then, of course, you move on to the new 52 version, which we talked about, which is a big change because all the histories are rewritten. And then in the middle of that, not in the middle, but near the end of that run in Aquaman number 41, where Cullen Bunn takes over Ooh. with Todd McCarthy, which really nobody liked. I'm not going to get into whether it was good or not. But talk about, like, was like, wait, is this even all the same character? Because all of a sudden you felt like you were reading a completely different book. And, and we get, this isn't anybody's favorite version, really. But it's – again, it's, it's so funny how much these things can change. And when – so again, when, when we get this idea in our heads that there is a through line, that there's one consistent version, it's so clear that there isn't. I mean right now we've just been talking for like 45 minutes and we've recounted like nine different takes of this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So – when someone says it's not their version of Aquaman, well, it's actually their 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 complaint is valid, and yet the opposite is, is saying, well, it is it is a version of Aquaman that's equally acceptable. I mean, the, the Jason Momoa version is equally valid. We've shown that you can do a bunch of different versions of Aquaman, right? And I think the thing that, and we'll get to these other versions in, in other media in a second, but the thing that that I most want out of the movie. And maybe we should get to this at the end or there's more stuff to talk about the movie. But the thing, the, the through line that I want for all these characters, because I was trying to think about, it, is there a through line through all these characters or is it just the name? Am I just attached to the name at this point? 
uh, and I like, you know, I like whoever they call Aquaman. I don't know if that's it exactly. Part of it obviously is the setting. As a child, I was always afraid of the the ocean. I've always been afraid of like sharks and stuff. That's very terrifying to me. So uh, somebody who can command that is very interesting to me. But there is something about, and I've again, there's another thing I've said on 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 previous episodes. But the thing that attracts me about Aquaman is like that he is tough on the outside, but kind on the inside, and that that is definitely appealing to me. Like he cares about the planet. He cares about his finny friends and he may it's it's a kind of thing where like yeah you goof on him because he talks to fish but if you kill one of his friends or even harm them or harm the ocean he will f you up and i mm-hmm. i really like that and i hope that that is what we get in the momoa movie whether we will or not i have no idea because obviously i haven't seen it but I hope that they retain that version. And when we talked about the Justice League, when we, did, when we did the review of the Justice League movie, I got hung up on that one little detail where we see him coming out of the water and he's drinking the, the liquor and he throws the bottle down. And I'm like, that's not Aquaman. Aquaman would never litter. And I know how absurd that sounds. It but is. To me, but to me, that's a big deal. He cares about the planet. He cares about the environment. He would never drop a bottle on the ground. He, that's not him. Now, I'm not going to get like, oh, my God, completely invalid now. But I'm hoping that they that they tilt the character in a way that suggests that as he starts to understand his history and his place in the world, that they, that they go after that. I would love to see that. I don't know whether they will or not. We'll find out. Well, for me, Aquaman at his core is – He's like a little bit of the big damn hero kind of thing. He's he's the guy who everyone's paying attention to. He's in the center of the room. He's the one that's going to take control and save the day. But the the and, and so I think that version matches with the movie. He's the, he's got the presence. He's got the ability to control the situation or, or be the boss. I guess you would never stop, never give up, do the right thing, save the environment, all those things too. There is a piece that's missing for me from the movie version, which is one thing I love about Aquaman is his regalness, is that he is royalty and he knows it. And he, he doesn't flaunt it, but you see it. You can't help but recognize when this guy is talking that he is well-spoken, he's well he's intelligent, uh, much more intel, uh, well-spoken than me, that's for sure. And, and he's, you know, he has as of a certain higher highbrow or, or caliber. And so this one is very much the lowbrow kind of version. Now, it could be that this is Aquaman's journey. And by the end of the movie, he's still going to be a smartass and make a bunch of jokes, but he might be regal by the end. He certainly looks it when he's the hero and he's coming out from the waterfall or whatever you see him in the orange and green. He looks very regal at that point, And maybe he's going to develop into that character. But that is one thing I feel like is missing. But other than that, the action, the adventure, the fun, I mean... If we don't get an outrageous out of uh, Momoa, then the world's just wrong if we don't get that. Because that's, you know, with all the all the stuff he's shouting and the, you know, badass and all that, outrageous has absolutely got to happen. And, and we'll talk about other media in a minute, but it's just, that's the fun, adventurous version of Aquaman that I do like. Um, I just, again, I hope we see some regalness. That's what I need. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, like I said, in the other media versions, of course, the earliest version of Aquaman outside of any of the comics is the Filmation cartoon, and that's straight up a sci-fi show. It just happens to be underwater because it's, <laughs> it's aliens every damn week, except for like the one with the fishermen. Uh, it's always the bim fabs and the skim fabs and the zibzabs, and they're coming down and they're trying to like do crazy things, and that's just full-on sci-fi. I mean, it's it's lost in space. 
just underwater. Yeah, with, with a walrus. With a walrus. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, like Mira's in that cartoon, but she seems more like a teen sidekick. Right. Than, than it's Aquaman's bride or anything like that. Because the way he talks to her, he's like, yes, little girl. I mean, he's completely sexist. So, but I like that version. Like, we've 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 talked about episodes of that show. That's a really fun show. And that was the one I, that and the next one, Super Friends. Well, hold the, on. The filmation. I used to have, uh, and I love this, when, when computers were first, home computers were really beginning to get into the Windows stuff. Like, I had Windows 98. I had a, a CD-ROM. The CD-ROM, yeah. Yeah. And it was an old Aquaman, basically a filmation cartoon but done in the style of a comic book where you could like click panels and they'd show you bits and pieces in action. And I loved that thing. And I, I didn't discover the filmation cartoons till years later. I, I discovered them probably in the early nineties on home video, like that superpowers video. You know, remember mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. that's where I discovered them. So I don't have the same nostalgia, like love for them as a kid, but, um, because you're older than dirt, you probably saw them first run, but I, 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 I do love them, but I don't, I guess I don't hold them up on a pedestal. So, they're just they're just so fun and silly, and like I said, I still have memories of sitting in my my house in Philadelphia watching them. That was prob that and Super Friends is probably where I discovered the character. Probably before any of the comic books. The comic books probably came after. I was probably like, oh my god, this is so cool. And then my parents were like, oh here here, there's comic books of this character as opposed to just that he was a TV character. Super Friends again. Uh, that's the main version that I think of. That's the first one I saw, and it was always in the context of Aquaman with his other superheroed super superpowered pals mm-hmm. and i love that i love the hall of justice i love all of that stuff. I mean, there's the reason why justice league of america was always my favorite comic book i love aquaman as part of the larger dc universe and of course i knew how big a deal superman batman and wonder woman were and it made aquaman to me like i never thought of aquaman as anything else but that level because he was on that show well, to mm. most people, he's not. Certainly to DC, he's not because they kept selling the triad uh, for the biggest time. It's like, oh, no, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, that's our core. But to me, it was like, no, 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 Aquaman's in there too. Why? Because he was on the Super Friends uh, you know, all those years. <laughs> that was just the way it worked. I mean I never thought of any other version. But that, that Aquaman is more like the early 60s one. The Neil, the Nick right, Hardy right. one. He's the he's the friend of everybody, and he's just like you know he's helping kids uh, learn how to swim and stuff like that. That's that is that version to me. That was probably where I first encountered Aquaman as well. I'm pretty well. I, there's no pretty to it. It would have been the, absolutely the first time I encountered Aquaman was the Super Friends version. I love the voice, uh, and you you know the guy's name. You've spoken with him. What's his name? Uh, Norman Alden. Well, there's two yeah. versions. There was but the one. Um, the first one was Norman Alden. Yes. That, that's the version I, I, I recall, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, he is very reminiscent of the first half of the Aquaman ongoing series. That's the version of Aquaman. And I do love that version. In fact, uh, remember they used to have the little safety videos? One of them was uh, if you ever get an eyelash in your eye, you pull your ah, bottom yes. lid over your yeah. top lid and it makes your eye water and it flushes it out. That was an Aquaman video. And I still remember to this day, and I taught it to my daughter not too long ago when she had an eyelash in her eye. So it's, it's sometimes those things come back at us. <laughs> Do you teach her how to make party favors next? Right, exactly. Um, and, of course, the first live-action version uh, is the one on Smallville, and that is Aqua Bra. Uh, oh, and, you know, that that one was a little tougher to take because uh, he was, you know, very much like a bro. But AC. Never, yeah, but, yeah, AC. But, but I – but I did kind of like it because, again, he was – they now there he was sort of recast as like a, an eco-terrorist, which is right. probably a pretty pretty severe version. And, but, I mean, to be fair to them, they went pretty deep with the, – they brought Mira 
Mira, the first ever live action Mira is brought oh, into that right. show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I Elena, about that. Elena Satine played her uh, in the show. And so, and they went so far, of course, as to commission the Aquaman pilot, which completely redoes the origin. Um, the the one play, the Aquaman is there played by Justin Hartley, who of course was Green Arrow on Smallville and is now on This Is Us. He's like this huge thing on This Is Us. But that version of Aquaman is basically Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I love that version. That the Mercy Reef pilot, Mercy that Reef, he, right? Yeah, that he did. I love that version. He's nothing like AC. He's not the Aqua Bro, right? He's right. Really- it's even within the universe of Smallville. It's like two different versions. Right, he's not the Aqua Bro. I, like I couldn't stand the Aqua Bro version on um, Small on, on Small. By the way, that actor, Alan um, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you know uh, Hartley was Aquaman and then Green Arrow, and now this what's his name, Richley. He he's now been Aquaman or AC, and now he's Hawk on the Titans. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so they they're all kind of hang out in the universe there apparently together. <laughs> the Brandon Rath started a trend, I guess. Um, Actually, he would have came after. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, I love Mercy Reef. I, I think that pilot's still a lot of fun, and I think that show could have had legs. I'm bummed that it never happened. Yeah, they really got screwed because of the networks merged and they ran out of slots and things like that. But it's, again, even like when I when I watched that pilot, I remember thinking, all right, that was kind of eh, but I wanted to see it. And I was – and I was – again, it made me think, well, what am I attached to here? Is it just the name? Because this version is so different. From any of the other versions that they've done, why do I even like? I I, I was like trying to be honest with myself. Like, if they called this show Ocean Guy, would I watch this? The Man and from I, Atlantis. You're right, exactly. Right. If they called this show The Man from Atlantis, would I watch it? And I'm like, probably not, because it's so different than than what I was familiar with any of the Aquaman trappings. And so I think in the least, least and it, and I did enjoy it on its own level, but I, I had to be honest that like. It really is the name that's carrying me here is that it's hmm. simply been branded Aquaman because right now it has no connection to anything that I've ever liked about the character. Well, once I got there, um, you know, I got there because of Aquaman, but then I enjoyed it because, you know, first of all, there's every scene has girls in bikinis, which is pretty great. But it was the, a the CW plot, show. Exactly. Yeah. But I enjoyed the plot they were building about the Bermuda Triangle. I mm-hmm. it, it, it did feel very Buffy. It also felt very kind of almost felt 90s, even though it was in the 2000s. It felt a little 90s ish with like, you know, I don't know, Forever Night and Highlander and all those kinds of shows. It felt like some of those elements creeping in. But I Gene I dug Roddenberry's it. Aquaman. Oh gosh. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so what next? What, what other multimedia versions well, the, we have? The, the final version, and this is the thing that I always feels like makes my my case of this whole show is the Batman Brave and the Bold version. <laughs> I don't. I have never met anyone who doesn't like the Brave and the Bold version of Aquaman, and yet that is completely different from the comic book version that he's so supposedly inspired from. I mean, yes, 180 degrees. <laughs> the Aquaman, yeah, as voiced by John DiMaggio, he is totally uh, the Hawkman from the Flash Gordon movie. He's Brian yeah. Blessed from, you know, that, and, and yet again. He's Hercules. He's her, yeah. No one I know who loves the Aquaman comic book doesn't love the Brave and the Bold version, but they are completely different people. And so to me, it's like, well, then you are willing to accept very different variations on this on this thread and the reason again the through line there is that he's heroic you know Mm -hmm. he's this very brave brave guy and that's what everybody likes about him even though personality wise he's so completely different but that like i really wish there was a movie version of that aquaman i could i would be totally in love with that like you know they do they're doing that spider-man into the spider-verse like into the aquaverse movie like please (laughs) give me one of those 
Well, you know, the Momoa version does have some things in common with it. I mean, besides the big damn hero thing and the beard and, and the there, there's the boisterousness. There is the, yeah, the, the the version of Aquaman in Brave and the Bold. He's not dumb, but he doesn't always have common sense. You know, he is sort of like runs in first to adventure. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and so there is some commonalities there with Momoa. Right. And again, I skipped over the, the version in Justice League Unlimited, of course, which is uh, everyone thinks that's the Peter David version. But it, to me, it actually has more in line with the Dan Jurgens take on Peter hmm. David's character in terms of the regalness and stuff like that. And he is like, like to me, but I, mean, I like that version. Like to me, the um, Justice League Unlimited version of Aquaman uh, is the Peter David version in my mind done right. <laughs> like done the way I would want it done. Like if you're going to chop his hand off, do it the way they did it on JLU. In, yeah, in there's my... no denying that. That is absolutely the best reason to ever give him the hook hand was yeah. done in JLU. Absolutely yeah. great. Now, there's a million other versions, by the way. We don't need to enumerate them all, but I mean, there, there was the version in the Superman animated series. Mm-hmm. There was there's the version that kicks around in Young Justice. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's all the DC animated movies that have popped up. New Frontier. You know, there's a lot of different versions of Aquaman that popped up in other animated stuff. But these are the ongoing versions, right? And so again, I think about like w- w- this movie version. There, I mean, first of all, I never thought that we'd get him in the classic orange suit. I'm amazed that they're doing that, that they are going full on. The only real difference is the head is like and, and to me, it's like it's it's so funny. Again, I, I think visually so much that I don't know why it bothers me as much as it does. I just think this is where my brain works. But when I look at when I see the scenes in the trailer and I've only seen the one trailer, I refuse to watch any of the other trailers. Oh, dude, I've I've it's a, I've watched them all. That five minute trailer, trailers and I've watched them over and over and over and over. Right. And it's it's bad. I watched one tonight. I watched the five minute one tonight with my daughter. <laughs> I saw the uh, like. There's the poster. The poster's out. And when I see the classic orange costume with the with the green gloves, the whole and but with that different head, I'm like, hey, somebody put the wrong head on the uh, on the build an Aquaman figure. What happened? Where's the wrong <laughs> the wrong head on there? But it, but it's like I can't believe that. I first thought that the Aquaman movie was going to be the bare chest version, but the fact that James Wan is leaning into classic Aquaman as heavy as he is, is just amazing to me. It feels like a miracle. And so personality, like I know that the personality is going to be different, but you, as we've just detailed, the personality has been different for so yeah. many years. And so I am trying to go into this movie as open-minded as possible and just say, do I enjoy it? Is this story well told? Does it hit the beats of the character that I like? Is this is this what I'm attracted to, or is it, or is it maybe offering me something entirely different? But I still can like that too. I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, I am fortunate enough that I am seeing the movie early. Um, they're doing that Amazon Prime thing where you can see the movie a full week early, and I have tickets, so I will Woo-hoo! be seeing me it. too, me yep. too. I will be seeing it on Saturday, December fifteenth. Uh, I'm so it, excited! It's unbelievable. But I mean, it's it's I don't know. Like I I don't think that this version even if it's mega successful, is going to, no pun intended, drown out the other versions. I think it'll just be a compliment. The same way that Superman comics were not Christopher Reeve Superman going forward. You know, everyone mostly knows that version, but the comics weren't all just that. They were able to go their own way. And the same thing with Batman. I mean, look, look at the Batman film series, how many soft reboots there were in those movies. They've done th- like True. basically three full Batman reboots in like five movies. Or Spider-Man. They've, done, they've rebooted Spider-Man three times over the course of five movies. So I'm not a f- now that Aquaman is seemingly so much more popular than he ever was, and DC seems so committed to making him one of their 
ongoing IPs. That's such a cynical way of putting it, but that's really how it works. Yep. That this Aquaman is not going to edge out the others. That they're just going to stop doing the other versions I like. There'll be this version, and there'll be other versions, and I'm okay with that. And so now, hopefully, I can go into this movie, and I'm just like, just entertain me. Like, just tell me a compelling story with all of the stuff that I know, but present it to me in a way that's that's original and got some life to it. And so I hope that's what is going to happen. And so far, because the early, the embargo, the review embargo has been lifted, the reviews for this movie have been actually surprisingly positive. And it's kind of funny because a lot of the reviews have been from people saying, I went into this thing and it wasn't going to be very good. And it was really fun. Like, yeah. they seem that's almost kind of the best review because you know somebody was kind of going into it with almost a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and it won them over. That's that's even a more positive review than if somebody was like, I was hoping it was going to be good and it was. If you're able to win somebody over that was kind of skeptical, that's you really did your job. Well, going into it, it had some hard things going against it. Is the, the general sense uh, from not everyone, but a lot of people about the DC movies aren't right. very popular. Right. Then Aquaman, who's been a pop culture joke for 30 years. I mean, whenever sometime in the eighties, that joke got started about dogs to fish yeah. and just that joke never died. It's a, it's a pretty big you know hill to climb. And I think they needed Momoa to do it. I don't think you could have got pretty blonde boy in there who looks like Aquaman to play the role and it'd be badass enough. I don't think it would have worked. Uh, you know, I think they needed a departure and do this version, this, this kick-ass version that the girls can swoon over and the guys can go, yeah, that guy's pretty badass. I think that's what it was going to take to win the general public over. Now we talk about the orange and green suit when Rob last took a breath, like five minutes ago. It's the first time I had a chance to talk since then. Um, I, I, I am wondering if that's just like the last scene of the movie. Like, we may not see him in the orange and green except for, like, one frame, you know, where he's like, I'm a hero now. So he may not be in it for any length of time. I really don't know. But uh, it's it, – you know, it was so long ago I forgot what I was going to say about it. Yeah, I've been waiting, <laughs> like, for you, ever for you to shut up. Anyway, uh, so, I, yeah, I think we need a Momoa. I, I'm excited about it. I think this version – I think he is going to drown out a little bit, like – Maybe not for the kids. The kids who watch Brave and the Bold Aquaman, um, I think that one's going to be burned into their head growing up, kind of like Super Friends did for you. And Justice League for some, maybe, you know, like uh, Chris, Chris Franklin's son, Andrew, that, that generation probably has the, the JLU Aquaman in their head. But I think for a lot of adults that didn't grow up watching Aquaman, I think this is going to be their version of Aquaman. They're, you know, if you ask people in five years, ask an adult who Aquaman is, they're probably going to think of Momoa. It may not change the comics. Yes, you may still have your version of Aquaman. And our old versions will always exist in our long boxes. I always say that. My, my post-crisis stuff still sits there, even though Flashpoint did away with it. I still have those comics so I can read them anytime I want. So it doesn't make our old versions go away, but it does change, change things a bit, I think. It and does. it does look like it's going to be really popular, which is so insane that Aquaman is one of the tent poles of the DC universe now. Yeah. Oh, man. Considering, again, when we started the show, where Aquaman was. Right. Oh, my God. And I, I do have to give the context. I saw the first time I saw the Aquaman poster in an actual theater mm -hmm. was just a couple of days ago while I was on my way to the 40th anniversary screening of Superman. <laughs> and I just stood there for a second. I'm like, what universe am I living in? I, on my way to the Superman movie, there's an Aquaman movie poster. I will never get over that. <laughs> I went to go see the Harry Potter movie with my daughter and saw the movie poster and took pictures of it and posted it online. Yeah. And now I, I'll have a confession to make. I have seen the Aquaman trailer a million times online, right? I've now seen it in the theater twice. 
and once was uh, the 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 Queen movie. Um, the Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. And the other one was the Harry Potter film that just came out, or the Fantastic Beast movie. And I got to tell you, sitting there in the theater, surrounded by other people that I know are not as intimately involved with Aquaman, obviously. These are just the general public. <laughs> Very few of these other people do an Aquaman podcast. Right, exactly. I mean, I, this sounds like I'm tooting my horn and making us more important than we are, but for the last seven years, you longer with the Shrine, for the last seven years, I've been involved with an endeavor whose purpose was to help raise the profile of Aquaman. We, we in no way had anything to do with the movie getting made, except unless someone asks me, I will say we absolutely did. But we had nothing to do with it. But I feel so proud. Like, there was an incredible sense of pride when this trailer came on. There was an incredible sense of sharing this moment with these strangers in the theater that really have no business having any connection to comics, and yet they're enjoying this trailer, and I could hear them enjoying the trailer. I, I, I have... I have wept both times during the trailer. Not like boo-hoo, but just like I'm watching the trailer and tears are streaming down my face of just uh, disbelief, of awe, of I can't believe this is happening and I'm sitting here and being part of this. And so I, I have cried both times now. And the, and I'm not just talking to drop. These were like fl- flowing. So um, I, I, I'm i a big baby. Yes. Yes, so. you are. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, 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 like I said, I just want it to be a fun upbeat adventure movie uh the kind of thing that and and not to not to drag the other movies into this but like i always feel like the ultimate uh review i have of a movie is do i want to see it again is it now now there are some movies that are great that i don't want to watch over and over again because they're kind of grueling or whatever uh that doesn't mean they're bad movies and you know i'm not putting on uh, schindler's list every week i was just gonna say like schindler's list yeah. is is one of those it's like great movie i don't know that i want to watch it yeah, i want to watch it again but movies that are meant to be kind of consumed in that manner, uh, I mean, I saw the Justice League movie. I have absolutely zero desire ever to watch it again. And, really? Uh, yeah. And I remember even being kind of okay with it when I watched it. But it's You liked just, that movie. We I did. did. There's a podcast about yeah, it. Go back and listen to it. I know. But I mean, I just – I don't know. When I think about do I ever want to see it again? No. But something like uh, Jaws or Raiders of the Lost Ark, I am never not in the mood to watch those movies, ever. And I've seen them hundreds of times at this point. They're Star Wars, Star Trek IV. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so and good. so I think about those, and I'm like, that's what I want Aquaman to be. When I, or Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I've been kind of mixed on the Marvel movies. I've seen every one, but I think most of them are, you know, okay. Some are better than others. But Avengers Infinity War, I walked out of that movie going, man, I wish I could see that again. I enjoyed the hell out of that. And that's what I want from Aquaman. When I walk out of that movie, I'm like, I hope that I want to just see it again. I feel like, and, and maybe it's James Wan who colored my influences uh, a long time ago with the interviews he did, where he basically said something along the lines of he was trying to make this the DC version of Guardians of the Galaxy, where like, you know, Atlantis was going to be as amazing and breathtaking as the Guardians of the Galaxy universe out there was, kind of thing. And I, I, I get kind of a Guardians of the Galaxy vibe from this movie, you know? I mean, there's no cool rocket and stuff like that, but just the big, the big adventure, you know, a lot of action. Cool, funny characters. That's kind of the vibe I, I get. And I and yeah, don't speak right now because I know you're weird. But I, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, and I've seen it several times, and I own it, and I love watching that movie. And I'm never not in the mood to watch that movie. So I, I, I agree. I hope I feel that same way. Now, why do you say that? That's like my third favorite Marvel movie. Why do you say oh, that? Okay, well, because you seem to piss on all the ones I like. So anyway, that's, what the. Oh. I th- we were going so well now, and then we were ending it on a No, downer. then you started all meandering, like, well, you know, I don't like some movies. Eh, look oh, at God. me oh. not being, finding my joy. Hey, why don't we do the discussion points at the end here? Why don't we? 
There's a whole uh, section at the end that just skipped. Good, good, <laughs> good segue, Shag. Um, okay, uh, so we so said, which version did you first encounter? We already kind of know that. I already said it's mine is Filmation and, and Super yes. Friends, and yours is which again? Super Friends, absolutely. Super, Super Friends. Friends. All right. Now, the first comic I I, um, I ever ca- came to though was, believe it or not, the 1986 miniseries. Okay. So that was the that was the first comic. So I picked it up. I'm like, what? He looks so different. Which I then immediately led me to Justice League Detroit. Okay. So that, All right. That was the first comic one. <laughs> um, which version is your favorite? Uh, why don't you answer that first? My favorite version of the character again is that 70s Justice League member. Uh, I've already talked about my favorite run is that one by uh, Paul Levitz and Jerry Conway and David Michelini from the 70s in Adventure where they're just like it's always sunny, uh, not in Philadelphia, but it's always sunny and <laughs> like it's bright. That panel at the end of Adventure Comics number 444 where Aquaman kisses Mira on the deck of a boat and everybody is like looking admiring and their hair is blowing in the breeze. Like to me, that's Aquaman. And I, I hope they have that shot of the movie. Really? See, I was sure it was going to be the, the Steve Skeet's uh, Aparo version of Aquaman. Interesting. Well, Aparo drew those stories, but... Yeah, well, I, I'm talking about, yeah, the yeah. search for Mara is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. It's up there. That's up there, but it's my favorite is those, those adventure runs. The Death of a Prince trade paperback, those stories. Okay. My favorite era of Aquaman is uh, the Legend of Aquaman special and just after that. So, like, the Sean McLaughlin series, the, that 13-issue run. It, well, that's not my favorite issues of Aquaman. That's my favorite era of Aquaman. When I think of Aquaman, it's the post-crisis version with the Legend of Aquaman storyline before Peter David gets a hold of him. That's the version of Aquaman I think of where his hair is a little longer. He's an environmental crusader. He's from Atlantis. You know, he's still sort of figuring out all that Atlantean connection. And that's that's my favorite version of Aquaman. That's the version of Aquaman in my head that I, I guess I make up adventures that I never really got to read because there weren't all that many stories in there. But um, that, that's that's the version of Aquaman I love. Right. Which eventually became the Peter David version, obviously. Right. Uh, so we, what do we think of the movie version? I mean, so far, well, I haven't seen that much of him. He's only just been in Justice League and that one shot in BVS. Uh, I, I liked what I saw, but I, 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 and I'm open for more. But I, I hope that they can make him a little fun. I, I, again, I hope that they go into that he accepts his role as protector of the 70s. Now, they hinted at that a little bit in Justice League, where they talk about that he's like the protector of that little cove. Like that's his like that's kind of his turf, and I like that. So I hope to just expand that even further. And they, I would love it if in the movie, they work in that line from Kingdom Come, about that I have to protect seventy percent of the of the planet. Like mm. that would be, I would oh my god, I would go nuts if they find that way to work that line in. My favorite line, and it won't work in a movie in, in the first movie. It could work in a subsequent movie once he takes the throne of Atlantis, though. Is uh, it's a Dan Jurgens line from his era where he says, "You know, um, Batman has oh gosh, I used to use it. It used to be my signature line. It's something like Batman has a utility belt, Superman has a cape. I have an army, and I intend to use it, mm-hmm. which I just love. I love that line." Um, so what do I think of the? I've already talked about the movie version. You know, it's, I, I'm excited about it. I, you know, when, when you were talking about it just now, I, I could have sworn you were getting ready to say, "Well, it's not my version of Aquaman." I thought it was what you were about to say. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Anyway, um, I, yeah, I've, I've already said everything I need to say about it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. So, right. And the final thing we wanted to talk about just is the are the is the best parts of the comics version and the movie version compatible? And I would say, yeah, 
because the, there has been so many different shadings to this character, just as there have been so many shadings to Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, all of them that you can distill all the best parts and, and make it work in live action. I think they proved that with the Wonder Woman movie. That's kind of an amalgamation of different takes of the character. Uh, and they made it work for a lot of people. So there's no reason why they can't they can't do it here. And like I said, so far, from the little bit I've seen, again, I've only seen like two minutes. I've just seen that one trailer. I'm like, okay, you've sold me. I don't need to see any more. You're going to ruin it for me. I'm ready to go. Well, and got to bear in mind, this is the first movie. I mean, that's not a guarantee there's going to be a second Aquaman movie. But this is his first outing. So you know, one of the things they've done a lot in the DC universe is the characters grow as the stories go. And Superman, it took three movies before he became the Superman we all recognize, you know. So Aquaman, it may take two or three movies until he's the version that we really like. It, I, example, I said I want the regalness. It might take another movie or two till I get that regalness. But you know what? I think there's enough there to show me that this is Aquaman's first journey into becoming a hero. And I get everything I need out of it so far that I've seen in the trailers. So, yeah, I, I think the best parts are there. I hope so. And so we, of course, are going to do an episode of the Fire and Water Podcast devoted to the movie. You think? Uh, yeah, I think we have. I think that's on the schedule. Um, we're, we are going to do it uh, as soon as Shag and I get a chance to see it. So we're only getting two short weeks away, which is absolutely amazing. So I think that's I think that's going to do it, right, for our look well, at the many faces of Aquaman? I is there something else you want to get to? Well, I just thought of one more thing I need in the movie. I need somewhere in the background. They don't need to focus on it, but I need to see a walrus and an octopus hanging out together. That's that, what I need. Yes, that would absolutely need – their tusky needs to make an appearance in Topo as well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Do. Yeah. So, well, they oh, found man. a way to work Storm in, I mean, with the, with the sea dragons mm-hmm. already. So, yep. All right. Um, yeah, I think that's it. All right. That's because that's going to do it for the many faces of Aquaman. So, uh, with, this has been on the docket for like I don't know, over a year, ever since they first mentioned an Aquaman movie. And there were times where I was like, I don't think they're really going to make an Aquaman movie because there's been <laughs> some missteps with the other movies. They haven't been as financially successful as they hoped. But they're, they're DC's all in. This is DC's Warner Brothers one movie for the year. Marvel's had three. This is their one. Uh, next year they're going to do uh, Shazam, but this is Aquaman is, is is flying their flag right now, which is again unbelievable. So um, I hope everybody enjoyed this this kind of weird conversation. Look back at the history of Aquaman. Hope maybe you learned something from it. Uh, I would go back and vis go 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 and suck trades and check out some of the trade paperbacks and and go to Comicsology and find books there. There's so many different Aquamans to pick from. Uh, you'll find one that you like. Well, now's a good time, too, to try the DC Universe app and dive in there. You can get, I think, I don't know if they still do a week free or not. I don't know. But you can dive into the DC Universe app, and they got a ton of Aquaman comics loaded out there right now. Very cool. So from er- almost every different era, uh, there's some kind of Aquaman stuff out there. So you should definitely check it out. It's a great time to read some of those. And for the subscription price, it's, you know, it's going to save you a lot of money. I think that's going right. to do it, Shang. Fantastic. Well, folks, until next time, and until for us, December 15th, and the rest of you plebes, December 20th. Wow. Fan the flame. Oh, man. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let's plug the network at least. You can visit our network. We can go back all our old episodes where we're talking about Aquaman in all his different forms over at fireandwaterpodcast.com. So, can we not end the show with insulting everybody? Can we do that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying to brag. Uh, absolutely. Also, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at FW Podcast, and we're on Facebook as the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And really what we'd love is to hear in the comments. Go out to our website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. Go to the show Aquaman and Firestorm. Go to the comment section for this episode and let us know what is your version of Aquaman or what aspects do you love about various versions of Aquaman or what do you hope you see from the movie and things like that. We would love your feedback. Be part of the conversation. That's one of the things I love about our show is that we love to bring in 
the, the, the listener feedback and talk with the, with, with the people listening. Uh, they're just fans just like us. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. Can't wait for the movie. It's almost here. Unbelievable. Can't believe that we're living in this world. So until next time, fan the flame. And ride the wave. Yeah! Aquaman! Aquaman! No one greater than Aquaman! King of Atlantis, king of the sea Where the danger is, that's where he'll be Always defending you, yeah, you and me Aquaman. He can swim faster than the fastest thing in the sea or on the land. With Mira, his beautiful queen, beside him, he'll fight with all his might till the end. Oh, you can always depend on mankind's truest friend. Aquaman. Next time, swim with a buddy. 